Imagine the look on their face. The host wife looking at the woman's immodest attire. The tight skirt, the stiletto heels, and the makeup. Oh my, the makeup. Mrs. Pharisee and others in the room whispering among themselves as she unsteadily walked up behind their special guest. Isn't that, isn't that, oh my God, that's that lady, you know, the lady of the street. Ooh, who let that whore in here? Never had there been such a socially unacceptable visitor in that home. And look, what's she doing? She's letting her hair down, like in the bedroom. In that culture, it had the same effect as if somebody went topless at a church dinner. Jesus didn't see her that way. She was exhibiting the, the behavior of a victim of abuse of being cut off socially. She didn't arrive at that status by simply one day deciding, hey, I think I'll be a sinner. The shock and the disgust in the room were palpable, and the visitor felt it. It wasn't the first time she had felt that level of scorn and rejection from this kind of folks. She broke down in shame and desperately knelt at the feet of Jesus. Here's the way Luke described it. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. I want to leave that there for a moment and take a few minutes to correct the record. It's been said that the best way to unify a group is to establish for them a common enemy. It's a tactic that in our social media, politically polarized atmosphere today has been given the label by some as othering. 
othering, making people that don't agree with us, those other people, the enemy, and blaming them for whatever is wrong in society. Republicans, other Democrats. Democrats, other Republicans. Some whites, other black and brown people, and vice versa. And historically, many Christians have othered Jews. When a segment of the population feeds on othering propaganda to sustain their sense of being right and better, and it stirs hatred against them, those others, it can lead to hatred and atrocious violence. Ill-intentioned, self-promoting tyrants have been known to exploit othering and even resort to genocide to obtain and keep power. And the history of what some Christians have done to Jews is appallingly evil because Jews were othered by Christians. But here's the reality. We must not miss this. Luke mentions at least three times when Jesus sat down and ate with Pharisees as an invited guest. Somebody said that Jesus sat and ate and fellowshiped at more Pharisee tables than he turned over of the mother money changers in the temple when he chased them out. Jesus did not hate Pharisees. Jesus did not other Pharisees. Preachers and Bible teachers like me have been known to, in, in our waxing eloquent, we've been known to focus in on the controversy between Jesus and the Pharisees, and we've picked on the Pharisees a little bit, a lot. And we've missed the point that there's a difference between Phariseeism and the people who have the title Pharisees. Too often we've misapplied and overemphasized the argument to the point of othering the Pharisees, and it spills over broad, more broadly into Judaism. And it's wrong. And I want to apologize for any role I've played in doing so, because it's not the truth of what was going on here. Jesus loved the Pharisees. He ate with them frequently. He probably had more regular conversations with them than anyone else other maybe than his own disciples. You find the Pharisees around Jesus all the time when you read the Gospels. The point being that Jesus had issues with the Pharisees. He had issues with hypocrisy, but hypocrisy is not a Pharisee or Jewish problem. Hypocrisy is a human problem. 
And when he confronts them, we all ought to pay attention because what he says about them often applies to us. Right? And so if we get sucked into othering those people to validate ourselves, we're not walking in step with Jesus. Remember, in our text today, Jesus was an invited guest at the home of a Pharisee. But when Jesus is in the house, you never know who's going to show up. And we read that this sinner woman showed up. And we're going to find out what Jesus thinks about othering because that is exactly what the Pharisee was doing to this woman who shed her tears upon the feet of Jesus, wiped them with her hair, and poured the perfume from the alabaster jar. And he othered Jesus too, didn't he? If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman that woman is. And he wouldn't let her be touching her, him like that. So we read on. Jesus picked up on what the Pharisee was thinking. And it says, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. A denarii was about the equivalent of a day's wage. So 500 denarii, 50 denarii. 50 denarii is a little over a month's wages. 500 denarii is going on two years of wages. Quite a difference. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. By the standard of their debt, they were both broke. They couldn't pay. So he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Jesus asked. Simon replied, I, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Now, there's some things that this raises in my thinking here that I want you to help me process. In the illustration of canceled debt, whose debt was canceled? Both. Both debts were canceled. What made the difference in the level of gratitude? The amount. Now, if the amount that they owed made the difference in the level of gratitude, are we to understand then that there was a difference in valuation between the cancellation of the 50 and the cancellation of the 500, emphasis on the cancellation? The stamp canceled was the same. There weren't levels of cancellation. Canceled is canceled. Right? So, 
we need to understand that they were both unable to pay, they were both broke, and they both got canceled, and they both stood zero after it was canceled. Whether it was a little or whether it was a lot, the cancellation covered it. We just sang about the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus cancels our debt. And I don't care what level of sinner I or you or anybody else thinks they are. The cancellation is the same. It's just as effective. The end balance is zero. However, if you were here last week, you, hear, you heard Pastor Amy talking about when they lowered the paralytic man. You can read about it in Luke chapter 5. They lowered the paralytic man down through the ceiling because they, there was a big crowd and they wanted to get him in front of Jesus. So they lowered him on a mat down in front of Jesus. And the first thing Jesus said to him, if you've read the story, is, your sins are forgiven. Canceled. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law that were standing around said, well, who's this? Who, who is this that thinks they can forgive sins? Well, then later Jesus walks out of there after he heals the man and he meets the tax collector. Amy did a good job of telling us about this last week. And the tax collector, Levi, invited Jesus to a great banquet. And he invited all his friends. Now, the tax collectors, we know, were not the, the cream of the crop in society. Um, they were, they were kind of lowlifes, to be honest with you. Traitors, uh, cheaters, and all of that. And Jesus was, went to their banquet. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law said to his disciples, they said to Jesus' disciples, why does your teacher hang out with this kind of people? And Jesus gave an interesting response. He said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Okay. I've only come to help the sick and the sinners. I'm not dealing with the righteous. So he's with a paralyzed man. Your sins are forgiven. He's with the, the, fair, the um, tax collector and his crowd, and he says, I came to heal these, this kind of people. And now he's with, Le with uh, Simon, the Pharisee, at his home, and he gives an illustration that says his sins are forgiven, even though he thinks he doesn't have many. He was hanging out with all of those people, wasn't he? Whatever level of sin they thought, they might have thought they were in, Jesus came to them. 
He spent time with them. Now, as you follow the progression of Jesus' conversation with the Pharisees through the Gospels, you see that it got more and more focused and more and more intense until right before Jesus' last hours, Jesus had a final say to the Pharisees. And it's called the woes. Woe to you Pharisees. But he concludes with this. He said, I I feel for you guys. I'm paraphrasing. There's woe coming upon you. Because you, you look good on the outside. You're like whitewashed tombs. But inside, you're full of dead men's bones. You're empty on the inside. There was a progression. And Jesus taught us something here. When you're dealing with people that are different than you, you don't just get in their face and tell them what awful, rotten people they are. (laughs) Jesus built relationship with the Pharisees. He entered into their realm. He hung out with them. He established conversation. He, He built lines of communication. And he progressively tried to bring them to the understanding of the truth. And when they didn't respond, we see Jesus in the last days before he was taken and crucified. We see him weeping, looking out over the city of Jerusalem and saying, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you to myself as a hen gathers her chicks but you just wouldn't Jesus was heartbroken over the Pharisees so what can we learn from all of this we read on then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon You see this woman, I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, Her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much, but he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Clearly, Jesus was intentionally focusing upon what it was in the hearts of those present. There was othering and there was loving. The Pharisee was othering. 
this woman's a sinner. You, you shouldn't be letting her touch. You are not a prophet because if you were, you wouldn't let her do that. She loved much, Jesus said. She was broken and desperate and humble at the feet of Jesus. Her actions revealed a desperate repentance, likely born of the report that Jesus was forgiving sins. This happened in the same region that the earlier story I told you about happened, where he forgave the sins of the paralytic. Jesus was going around telling people, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're welcome, the door's open to you, God loves you. And this woman got word, this is the guy. This is the guy that's healing all those people. This is the guy that's doing all that. Out of her desperation, out of her brokenness, out of her shame, she busted in to that party. And she made a spectacle of herself, weeping, pouring out so many tears she could actually wash his feet drying them with her hair, pouring the perfume on his feet. Jesus said, your faith has saved you. Your faith? Well, what do you mean faith? She, she didn't know the four spiritual laws. She didn't um, she hadn't been through our catechism class. She wasn't even baptized. Her faith? What did he mean by that? Her faith, her faith was she was hoping for something she had not yet seen. And that's what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not yet seen. Something inside of her said, I need what he's got. I need what he's giving. I need forgiveness. I need help. And Jesus said, faith, your faith has saved you. After he had already said, your sins are forgiven. The first words Jesus said to that woman is your sins are forgiven. He didn't even lecture her about her lifestyle. He just said, you're saved, you're forgiven, go in peace. And we don't hear anything more about her. We don't know what happened to her after that. But this we do know. If Jesus says, you're forgiven, we're forgiven. If Jesus says, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. If Jesus says, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. It's not for me to decide whether I'm forgiven or not. It's up to him. And what has he done? Canceled. Your debt is gone. I took care of it. 
You owe nothing. Two questions. What was the woman looking for? She was looking for the same thing we're all looking for. We want our lives right. We want things fixed that are broken. We want to be free from bondage to death and sin and shame and brokenness and pain. That's what she wanted. You're here today. You've got stuff going on in your life, as we all do. There's something inside of you that's crying out, I need help. I need something. I need... There's Jesus. He forgives sins. I need Jesus. The other question that we have to look at is, what have we done to Jesus? Aren't you glad Jesus loves Pharisees? What have we, we who claim Jesus, we who profess to be Christians, we, the church, what have we done to Jesus? Jesus never agreed ever with the Pharisees, with, with Phariseeism. And he does not expect us to abandon our own convictions and principles. But we should never let disagreements turn into the sin of othering. To the point that we erect barriers and cannot enjoy a meal together with people that aren't like us. That, that we should never get to the place that we can't look forward to the next opportunity to have conversation. That's the way Jesus dealt with the Pharisees. He took advantage of every opportunity to be with them, to engage them in conversation, to try to tell them, if they were listening, their debt is canceled too. Right? If just the thought of socializing with one of those types, I've allowed myself to judge as my enemy, one of those that I consider others, not us, them, if the thought of hanging around with people like that, having a meal with them, having conversation with them, kind of turns my stomach, Kind of makes me say, ew, those? If that's what's going on inside of me, I've got an othering problem. I'm not walking in step with Jesus. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in us. Jesus said, be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. 
And how did he define that? He said, as your father has forgiven you, so you forgive one another. If the church is not communicating forgiveness and love and an openness to fellowship with those that are different with us, than us, then we're not walking in holiness. Come on, you better preach. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> we're not walking in holiness. We're not walking in love. We are misrepresenting Jesus, and we are contributing to the problems in our society today. People need to see Jesus today. He's the answer for what's wrong with our broken world right now. And how are they going to see Jesus? Through his body, the church. That's you and me. That's anyone who claims Jesus is their Lord. But we've got to act like Jesus. We've got to think like Jesus. We've got to forgive the inexcusable. That woman was judged by the whole community as a sinner. And I, I did dig into the word sinner there, and it does mean immoral prostitute. And Jesus said to her before she did anything but just weep at his feet. He said, your sins are forgiven. I grew up in the church. My dad was my pastor till I was 16. I know how church people work. Oh, and I was a pastor for 30 years. I know how church works. I know how church people think. And I know that we have put barriers and stumbling blocks and artificial judgments upon people that Jesus never would. And we've hindered the love and grace of God in the process. We want our society to be healed. People need to feel like they can come around us in brokenness and weeping and shame, and we will, they will hear from us, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. You're seeking, you're longing, you're hungering and thirsting after righteousness. It will be satisfied. Your seeking will leave you in a place of finding. Aren't you glad God loves Pharisees too? He loves you and me. We mess up. But he says the same thing to us that he said to Simon who, who thought he had it all together and didn't need much forgiveness. <laughs> canceled. You're canceled just like her. On God's ledger, you've got a zero balance. So God loves you. We love you. Let's eat. <laughs>